Ephesians chapter 2. Look what it says here. I like how this is stated. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. What does that mean to be dead in trespasses and sins? Well, it's kind of like somebody who maybe they commit murder, let's say, and they get put on death row, you know, and they're being hauled off for their execution, you know, and they'll refer to him as dead man walking. This guy's dead, all right? Now, he's not dead yet, but he's about to be killed. Why? Because he's been sentenced to death because of this terrible crime that he had done. And yet at one time, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We weren't dead yet in the sense we were physically alive, we were breathing, but we were on our way to hell. Would we not all agree with that as saved people today? If you're saved today, at one time you were not saved, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sin. The reason you say you're saved is because you were saved from the penalty of your sins. You were on your way to hell at one time. So we were all there, dead in our trespasses and sins. But verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, are ye saved? So the reason that we are no longer dead men walking, the reason we no longer are condemned to hell, we have been pardoned from that, is because we have a God who is rich in mercies. And what I want to talk about this morning is the law and mercy. Okay? The law and mercy. And I want to, I'm kind of continuing a sermon that I preached on Sunday night. If you get a chance, go back and listen to it. But our world is getting more and more wicked all the time. And I expect the world to continue getting more and more wicked. But one thing that is sad is while the world is getting more and more wicked and getting farther away from God, we see churches kind of following the world, maintaining a safe distance, but they're still following the world. And the churches are becoming more and more wicked too. And we have gotten to the point where even in Baptist churches today, there are preachers, even some recently that I've seen that have preached here before, who are literally mocking the law of God. They'll go back and they'll look at Old Testament passages. They will criticize them. They will, they will make fun of us for them. I mean, supposed preachers. Okay, Now, atheists have been making fun of us for what the Old Testament teaches for years. Okay? They've constantly brought that up. They'll see all these harsh punishments, or what else? They're not harsh; they're just punishments, but rough. All right, there's some rough punishments. All right, is it not? You don't have to read very far in the Old Testament and find some things that call for the death penalty, aren't there? Are there not a lot of things that call for the death penalty in the Bible? A lot of things. In fact, if a lot of us wanted to get honest in here today, some of us would probably have to admit that you know what? There's been some things in my life that I have done that the Old Testament, it calls for the death penalty. Now, what do we do with that? All right, Now, what do we do with that? Now, what the atheists have done for years is they have mocked it. And like, you know, look how you know, barbaric the Bible was. Well, not going to re-preach Sunday night's message, but I proved Sunday night that the law of the Lord is perfect. Amen. The Word of God, it is just, it is holy, it is righteous, it is good. Okay, but at the same time, you know, we're not. The law is what condemns us. Okay, the reason that we say that we need to be saved is because we have admitted that we have violated God's law. We understand that we are not worthy of God's mercy, that we are not worthy of heaven, that we deserve eternal punishment based on what the law says. 
And so what do we do? We've got to call on the Lord for salvation. And when God saves us, He gives us mercy, doesn't He? God gives us mercy. Let me read a definition to you of mercy. It's that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy that which comes nearest to its it is grace. It implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity or compassion, and clemency, but exercised only towards offenders. Okay? You don't get mercy unless you're an offender. Correct? Okay? A mercy applies you are an offender. And I like this. It says, uh, mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being. You say that's in the dictionary? The Webster's 1828 dictionary. It's probably not in the modern dictionary today. But in the Webster's 1828 dictionary, that is how they defined mercy. And it even gave a Bible example of mercy from Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18. That was, that was the dictionary that people used to use. Okay, so now, I'm talking about law and mercy. Okay, because there's an argument out there today. So you've got what I call the law crowd that just wants the law for everything. Yeah, let's just kill everybody, right? You know, and, and we've all known some of those people before. But then you've got the mercy crowd. Alright? The mercy crowd, though, they seem to want to throw the law out. The mercy crowd, they seem to want to join up with the atheists and talk about how bad the law is because it wants everybody dead. And they talk like it's just this terrible thing. And they're even going as far as to make fun of the law. I've even Baptist preachers who have compared Old Testament law, they'll compare it to the Koran. And if somebody teaches, hey, society would be better off if we followed this law that God gave in the Old Testament, they will call them radical imams. Like it's a Muslim thing, even though it's coming straight out of the Old Testament. And they're like, you know, God's all about mercy. And then these same people that say, you know, God's all about mercy. And yes, we do have a God about mercy. But then, think about this, alright? If I can get you all to reason with me for a second. Now, mercy can only come to an offender, correct? So how can you get mercy unless you have violated God's law? For in order for you to have mercy, you have to be an offender. Now, how can I claim that I have mercy and then bash the law of God at the same time? Talk about how the law of God is a bad thing. I can't believe the Bible said these people ought to be put to death. That's just terrible. You know, God does it that way. God's about mercy. But wait a minute. If God's about mercy, then that means these people are worthy of death. So you've got to take your pick here. All right. You know, which, which way are you going to go? And the truth is, while I'm going to put people into three categories. A law category. You got the law guy. You've got the mercy guy. But you know what? What I am is I'm a law and mercy guy. I believe I believe we ought to be law and mercy people. How does that work? And I'll show you a little bit. You know. So what's going on? Why? What's messed people up on this? How did Baptists, especially, get so messed up on this subject of law and mercy? And part of it's just bad theology. You know, dispensationalism has really messed up people's theology in a bad way. Here's the big one. You want to know why Baptists have gotten messed up on when it comes to the law and mercy? 
It's they're embarrassed. People are embarrassed by what the law teaches. They hear the atheist mocking what the Bible says in the Old Testament and they're just like, well, I don't believe that. Oh, really? I thought you admitted that you were a sinner. And a sinner, when you admit that you're a sinner, you're consenting to the law that it is good. The reason I tell people that I'm a sinner is because that Old Testament law of God, it is perfect. There's not one thing wrong with it, but there's plenty wrong with me. So for me to get up and say that the law is bad or I don't agree with that law, then how can you in the same breath admit that you're a sinner? Well, a sinner according to what? Okay? You ever thought about that? And we would all say that we're sinners, right? If somebody said, hey, are you a sinner today? We'd all think, yeah, sure, I'm a sinner. We all know we're supposed to say that. But then, according to what? Okay? Just like if a policeman pulls you over and said, I'm going to give you a ticket for breaking the law. Wouldn't we all want to ask the question, well, which law? You know, what law did I break? You know, if I'm going to get a ticket for something, I'd like to know what law I broke. Well, if I get up and I admit that I am an offender, I'm admitting that I offended something. And you know what it is? It's the Old Testament law of God. I have violated that and I am dependent on a Savior. So, I say all that to just show these people today, Christians, they want so bad to fit in with the world, they are embarrassed by what the law teaches. But I'm just—I'm not going to go into all the people the Old Testament said ought to be put to death. But you know what? I'm going to say I agree with every one of them. Amen. They're all good. And if some of you end up in those categories, if I end up in those categories, I still believe it. How dare you think that I should be put to death? Well, you know what? How dare that policeman think that I deserve a ticket just because I was speeding? Say, well, you were speeding, and that's the law. Get my point? All right, this is—that's the law. So, you know, I'm sorry that you're an offender, but that's just—that's just what it is. But a lot of it too, reason people are getting messed up with this is just fear. The old IFB—they are terrified of persecution, and people today who teach the law of God are under persecution, and. The old IFB is scared of it because they think persecution is the wrath of God. <laughs> they, that's, what, that's what they think. And they're, we've not been appointed under wrath. So therefore, you know, I can't preach anything that would bring persecution. Otherwise, God violated His promise to deliver me from the wrath to come. And that's another subject for another day we like to make fun of them for. But, you know, they're embarrassed. Why are they embarrassed? Okay? They're embarrassed because the Bible is a bloody book. There's a lot, we see a lot of blood shed. It calls for a lot of blood to be shed. But the Bible is a holy and a just book. Therefore, it must call for the death penalty for, for many. Okay? And our culture today, it is very easy because we've been so brainwashed to make someone with a biblical mindset look like a crazed tyrant. That's not, it's not hard to do that. Or, you know, as evangelist Calvin Allen would say, a radical imam. Okay, it was real easy for him to get away with saying that. Why? Because the world agrees with that. It's you know, and you're allowed to talk against Muslims in the in the Fox News Baptist world today. But you know, the truth is, you know, the Bible still the Bible. It's still the Word of God. It's still good. It's still holy. So it seems like though today you've got one side calling for law and you've got the other side calling for mercy. Some people would call me one who's calling. You know, the, the law guy. But I'm not. I'm a law and mercy guy. I really am. And I'm going to show you how to be both of these today. Alright? So we've got, so think about the three categories. You need to figure out which one you're in. 
Are you a law person? Are you a mercy person? Or are you a law and mercy person? Okay, because what's wrong with the law crowd? Let's talk about the law crowd for a minute. Okay, turn over to Romans chapter 2. I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night, but I want to, I think it's worth repeating. Here's what's wrong with the law crowd. The law crowd wants to kill everybody except for themselves. Okay? That, that's how the law crowd is. Alright? In Romans chapter 1 verse 32, after it's been talking about reprobates, it says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So then in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. And, if you, and we're not going to read all of Romans chapter 2, but in Romans 1, he's been talking about the reprobates. He's been talking about the worst people that humanity has ever put out. And talking about how God gave these people over to a reprobate mind. But then when he gets to chapter 2, now he's getting to the religious folks. Now he's getting to the law people. And he said, now let's talk about you for a minute. Because while you, it's easy for you to talk about how these reprobates are on their way to hell, let's talk about you for a minute too. Because you know what? You've committed many of the same sins that they've committed. You've done many of the same things that they have done. And you know what? You're worthy of death just like they are worthy of death. You're inexcusable. And that's when he gets to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. He just lays it out and he just says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. At the end of the day, while we're not all a reprobate, while we're all not mass murderers and perverts and things like that, at the end of the day, we are all transgressors of God's law. We all deserve judgment. We all deserve to die and go to hell. And so you know what we need to do is we need to ask for mercy. We need to ask for mercy. But the law crowd, what do they do? They come up with works-based salvation. Well, in order to be saved, you know, you can never commit this sin. You can never commit that sin. You need to live a certain way. Or you at least need to repent of your sins. And you've got to quit doing this sin. And you've got to start living this way. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're not really saved or you'll lose your salvation. That's the law crowd. They are trying to be justified by their works, not understanding that they failed, that they come short, and that they are on their way to hell too unless they receive the mercies of Jesus Christ. And law people, they don't see it. Law people, they see themselves as just so much better than everybody else. They don't even see themselves as needing the mercies of God. All they can do is talk about the things they've never done that are bad, the things they have done that are good, and they're real good at naming off everybody else's sins, not understanding though that they deserve to be in hell themselves. They are like that example of the, uh, the story of the Pharisee and the publican that we're praying. The, you all know the story. We're not going to go there. The Pharisee gets up and he talks about all the wonderful things that he does. He talks about how he's thankful that he's not like this publican. But what did the publican say? He couldn't so much as lift up his head. He smites his breast saying, God, be merciful. God, be merciful. Why did he want mercy? Because he was a transgressor of God's law. He recognized that the law of God was holy. He said, I've not kept that law. I can't keep that law. But I don't want the penalty for violating that law. But you know what I do? Lord, I want You to give me mercy. Lord, I want You to be good to me even though I deserve bad. And He did. The Bible says that He left 
justified rather than that Pharisee. That Pharisee walked out of there still lost, not even realizing he was guilty of the sin of pride. But that rotten publican, he left that place. You know why? Not because of anything in the law, but because he had received mercy. And unfortunately, you've got a law crowd today that thinks they're all that because of their you know, religious performance, because of their morality or whatever, and they don't see themselves as dependent on mercy. And folks, we are dependent on mercy. If we don't have mercy, we have no hope because the law of God is perfect. It is holy. It is just. And there are many things in there as we read the law of God when it says, you know, this, you know, adulterers ought to be put to death and, you know, homosexuality ought to be put to death and cursing your father and mother ought to be put to death and all these things ought to be put to death. You know what that ought to cause some of us to do? That ought to cause some of us to break out in a cold sweat and say, I'm in trouble. That's how God feels. But no, what does the world do today when they see that? How dare God call for the death of those people? And even Christians, how dare you think those people should be put to death? But that is that's holy. That is just. Well, that you know, that's my mama that you're talking about. You know, well, I'm sorry that the Bible says that your mama deserved to be put to death. But that's what the Bible says. So, you know, you you want to kill my mom. No, I don't want to kill your mom, you know, but at the same time, your mom better realize that she has committed a sin that God put the death penalty on, and that ought to cause her to realize that you know what? If I'm going to go to heaven, I better get some mercy. I better and I better get some forgiveness if I'm going to go to heaven. And people are forgetting that because they're too busy bashing the law of God. And have you ever been there before? This is the way we ought to feel when we read the Bible. Have you ever have you ever been there before where you were pulled over and you were speeding? And you knew you were speeding, and the police officer didn't give you a ticket. Has that ever happened to anybody before? It's happened to me before. Alright. Now, when that happens, aren't you thankful? Man, he could have gave me a ticket. And he didn't give me a ticket. You're, 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 but some of you today, if you're like the atheists of this world, if you're like the liberal Christians of this world, how dare that cop even think that I deserve to get a ticket? I mean, I can't afford a ticket like that. Yet he had the audacity to think that I deserved a ticket. What kind of horrible person is that? I'm going to go see if I can find him on Facebook. And I'm going to go troll his Facebook page, and I'm going to I'm going to go attack this guy. You know, if he ever runs for sheriff, you know, because he dared to think that I deserved a ticket. Do you realize if you get a ticket, you know what that makes you? It makes you a lawbreaker. You broke the law, didn't you? And you're paying a fine like a criminal. And that's what the laws are. And yet we don't get offended by those things. We're thankful in those situations. And most of us too, when they are merciful and they don't give us a ticket, what do we usually say? Thank you, officer. (laughs) Thank you for not giving me a ticket today. I mean, not that long ago, on Route 30, it was late at night and we were booking on Route 30. And man, there was a cop there on the side of the road, saw us, pulled me over. And I think he had mercy on me because, you know, he saw we had a van full of kids and stuff. And man, that guy's got that many kids. There's no way he can afford a ticket. And he was merciful. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't go to him like some liberal and just say, how dare you even think that I 
violated the law. How dare you even try to enforce a law that takes money from you? You're trying to take food out of my kids' mouths. You realize that $75 would have cost, that was my grocery money? You're trying to take food out of my kids' mouths. I'm going, is that not the attitude of a lot of people today? That's exactly how people are, are though, when it comes to the Word of God. But we ought to be thankful that God is merciful. And so when you read the Bible, and you see something in there that you've done that requires the death penalty, that's not time for you to go getting all up in arms and getting all mad at God. You know what that ought to cause you to do? That ought to cause you to hang your head in shame. It ought to cause you to pray to the Lord and say, thank you, God, for being merciful to me, a sinner. You could have killed me for that. You could have let me die and go to hell. But what did you do? Instead, you sent a Savior to pay my penalty for me and you've offered me mercy. You've given me grace. You didn't give me what I deserved. You're giving me something good that I don't deserve. Lord, thank You for my salvation. But how are we going to have that attitude today when we've got preachers prancing around this country bashing the law of God like it's a bad thing? You know what's going to happen? People are going to hear the Word of God preached. They're going to hear the law of God preached. And instead of being convicted like that publican, they're going to just get all offended and mad at God. And we should be mad at God. We ought to be mad at ourselves and we ought to be thankful to God that even though we deserve to die, yet He has made a way of salvation. We can not only not die, but have eternal life. That, my friends, is called a good God that provides that for us. Our God is good. And when I read all the things that they were supposed to stone people for in the Old Testament, it doesn't make me say, what a mean, terrible God. It makes me say, what a good God. He was doing, he had, there were times when God would kill thousands of people for fornication. He doesn't do that all the time. What are we supposed to learn from that? How dare God do that? All they did was fornicated. Uh, no, what I ought to do is say, I've done that before, and yet God didn't kill me. Lord, thank you for your mercy. I'm sure there's many in here that have committed some of these laws and they violated these commands and you didn't drop dead. God didn't kill you. That is your opportunity to be thankful, not to get offended. But we live in a weird world. The law crowd, they usually look great on the outside, but like Jesus said in Matthew 23, on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. That's that. That's the law crowd so I hope you understand the problem we have with the law crowd. All right, we are not the law crowd right here, and I don't want, we don't want people in our church that are the law crowd. Anybody in here that thinks they've committed or they have uh, fulfilled the law of God or followed the law of God, you are either messed up in the head or you've never read the law of God, because we are all violators. We are all sinners. So what's wrong with the mercy crowd? Because the mercy crowd's bad too. All right, the just mercy people. I think they are as revolting as all get out. They are bad because the mercy crowd, they want to throw the law out. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 6, not understanding. The law is still good. Everything that the Bible calls for in the Old Testament, it's good. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. It says in verse 6, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the letter, what should we say then? Is the law sin? Okay. The Bible teaches that God delivered us from the law. Is it because the law was bad? No. 
That's not why God delivered us from the law. It's not because the law was bad. Okay, Look what it says. It says, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. If there were no law, how would we even know that we're sinners? We wouldn't know that we were sinners. If there were no law, how would we know that we needed a Savior? If we don't teach the law and the mercy crowd, they don't want to touch the Old Testament with a 10-foot pole. If they do talk about the Old Testament, they talk about how it's bad and how it's done and it you know doesn't matter anymore. No, it does matter. We have to teach the law so people will see that they are a sinner. So they will see that they need a Savior. It says in verse 8, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, it I found to be unto death. If somebody could have kept the law, they'd have been fine. They'd have had eternal life. But you know what that law did to us? It slew us. It killed us. Why? Because we violated it. We, we went against it. And the commandments which was ordained to life I found to be unto death for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was that then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. The law showed us how bad sin was. When we go back and we read all those commands that are pretty strict, when we see all those judgments that are pretty harsh, you know what that does? That's supposed to tell us sin is really bad and I need a Savior. But today, people are acting like these things are no big deal. If these things are no big deal, then why do we need a Savior? Okay? There, there's no need for a Savior. Why would I call on the Lord for the Savior if there's no big deal? Okay? When I, you know, whenever as parents, if you want to teach your kids not to do something, you, know, you, you put a really harsh punishment on it. Okay? If it's something that's really serious. Okay? You don't tell your child that, listen, if you stick a metal fork in a light socket, you know, your punishment is going out for ice cream. You don't tell them that. You know, why? Because then, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it. No, you know, you tell them they're going to get a spanking. You tell them they're going to, you know, you tell them something bad. That way they'll realize this is probably something I shouldn't do. This is probably something that will harm me. But today, we've got this preaching going on where they don't talk about sin. They don't want to talk about hell. They don't want to talk about death penalty. They don't want to talk about anything negative. And then they get up and they tell people, you need a Savior. And they don't even say that. You know what they say? You need a relationship with Jesus is what they say. That's what they say all the time. You need a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because He'll give you a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, when that music starts playing, you'll be swaying with the rest of us if you just have a relationship with Jesus. Okay, well, why wouldn't I have a relationship with Jesus? Well, actually, when you study the Bible, our sin... This is why we wouldn't have a relationship. Have you ever read the story of Adam and Eve after they sinned? God put them out of the garden, didn't He? He used to walk with them in the garden in the cool of the day, but that sin, it caused a separation. 
They could no longer fellowship with God like they did before. Why? Because of sin. So we've got people today, they're coming into churches, they're hearing about having a relationship with Jesus, but nobody's talking about why they wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus. And they think having a relationship is just coming and singing Jesus songs and swaying to the music. That's not what it is. You know, they need to come and they need to, they need to find out that they need a Savior and without preaching on what the law says, there is absolutely no way for people to figure that out. If you just get up and you tell people you need a relationship with Jesus, that could mean anything. You know what we need to get up and tell people? You need a Savior. Because you're on your way to hell. That's what we need to tell people. What? I'm on my way to hell. I'm a good person. Really? Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the law of God and find out if you're a good person. And when we look at the law of God, you know what the Bible tells us? There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. None of us are there. And that's why, if we're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we've got to have our sins taken care of first. We've got to get saved first. But you will never get saved without realizing you're a sinner. Nobody's ever going to get saved when the pastor's up there bashing the law, saying it doesn't matter anymore, saying that it sounds like the Koran, people who preach it sound like a radical imam. Nobody is going to get saved from that kind of preaching. Now, you'll get up if you preach about having a relationship with Jesus. You're going to have some person with emotional problems come forward during the emotional music you know, I want a relationship with Jesus too. You know, I want a warm, fuzzy feeling during the song too. You'll get people to come forward and, you know, make some moves and do some things or whatever, but nobody's really getting saved in that, in that situation. But that's what's wrong with this mercy crowd. They want to throw the law out. They want to make the law out to be a bad thing. Look at what it says in Jude, the book right before Revelation. Jude in verse 3. I wish I had time to go through all of Jude. But it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what these people are doing today. They are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, they're making the grace of God out to be an opportunity to fulfill the lust of the flesh. They are making the grace of God be this thing where just do whatever you want. Hey, the law is history. It doesn't matter anymore. It's all good now. It's all under the blood. You know, don't listen to these people preaching about Old Testament morality and things like that. God doesn't care about that anymore. Why? Because we're under grace. Go ahead and do whatever you feel like doing. That is wicked stuff. And he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And he goes on in the book of Jude and he gives a whole bunch of examples in the Old Testament about when God killed people for not following His commands. He killed them. And he's telling them He's warning us that, hey, if God killed people back in those days for it, you know what? He's going to do it again in the future. And one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to return and He is going to judge the world in righteousness, meaning He's going to judge this world according to the law of God. These things will be executed 
And therefore, we need to be teaching people what God expects. And we teach that from the law. Mercy does not mean the law doesn't matter anymore. Mercy, it implies guilt. Mercy is to an offender. But this mercy crowd today, this hyper-grace crowd today, they won't tell you what the offense is. Yeah, I'm an offender. Okay, tell me what the offense is. Name the offense. Just like a police officer has to tell you what law you violated before he can give you a ticket, before you stand before a judge, before they can condemn you guilty of anything, they have to charge you with a crime. They have to show you the law that you violated. Well, let me ask these Pastor Trendy, what is he, what, when he tells people in his church that they're sinners, according to what law? What did they violate? You've got to let people know that and they violated the law of God, so we've got to show them what the Bible says so then, and only then, can they ask for mercy. So, the, But the mercy crowd, they, they leave the law out. You can't do that. We need to be a law and mercy person. So what does that mean to be a law and mercy person? First off, it means you agree that the law is good. You don't mock it. You don't compare it to the Koran. Alright, we need to get that figured out. And if you haven't got it figured out yet, go listen to Sunday night's message. The law of the Lord, it's still perfect. The law of God, it is good, it is holy, it is righteous, it is just, it is fair across the board. I mean, everything about it is great. David said, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalms, Go read Psalms 119. Nearly hundred, the longest chapter in the Bible, the entire thing is about the Word of God. It's about the law of God, about the precepts of God. Go read Psalms 119 and you tell me that there's something wrong with the law of God. There is nothing wrong with the law of God. And I'm not offended by the law of God because it also says in Psalms 119, Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I'm not offended by anybody that the Bible says ought to be put to death even if I read a verse and I see myself in there. I'm still not offended by it. I love the law of God. And I'm guilty of breaking the law of God. And I'm thankful though that I receive mercy for what I have done through Jesus Christ. So you cannot be saved without recognizing you are a transgressor of the law. When you look at the law of God, don't you dare look at that Old Testament law of God and say, all these things have I kept from my youth up. Don't you say that. Last guy that said that went to hell. Alright? He didn't, he didn't get saved. You've not kept all these things. You look at that law and you better hang your head in shame for being a violator of that law. And when, and while you try to follow the law the best you can, because we understand this is what pleases God. This is what God, this is right. You know, follow it the best you can in the Spirit. You need to recognize that you're a failure, but keep on trying. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I, this is a great passage right here. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Look at this. It says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead." Now, the work salvation crowd, they try to take that verse right here and say that we have to attain this. We have to earn the resurrection of the dead. Because Paul said that I might attain the resurrection of the dead. Well, let's keep reading. What did he mean by when he said that I might attain that? Because look what he says in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. I'm not there yet. Either were already perfect, but I follow after... That if, or I follow after, if that I may apprehend 
that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Okay? What's he saying right here? Let's say that right here, this is me like Christ. When Jesus Christ returns, he's going to change my vile body into one like his glorious body. Alright, so this is, the goal is Jesus Christ. This is where he is. This is where we're going to be one day at the resurrection of the dead. But let's say that I'm over here right now. My goal is to get over there. Now, I will, I'll never be completely like Jesus Christ in my life. Okay? But, what, shouldn't it be my goal to be that way? Should that not be the focus of my life? So I should be trying to apprehend that for which I am apprehended of in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, when I get here, and I will be here one of these days, who will get me here? Jesus Christ will get me here at His return. Okay? Jesus Christ has apprehended this perfection for me. Y'all understand that? I am apprehended in Christ Jesus. I have this standing right here with God already because of Christ Jesus. But that's not going to stop me while I'm over here to say, you know what? Let's see how close I can get to that. Instead of saying, you know, let's, I'm comfortable right here. I'm still going to go to heaven right here. I should be trying to get there. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. I'm trying to attain that for which I, am, uh, I have been attained in Christ Jesus. He's like, I'm not there yet. He said, I, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me. Hey, if I'm going to be there one of these days, I'm going to see if I can't get to it right now. I'm going to forget about what I've done in the past. Yeah, I've messed up in the past and I'm a transgressor, but I'm going to keep on striving to be like Christ. And I'm going to need His mercies every day because every day I'm going to fail, but it's never going to stop me from trying. I'm going to keep on trying to live for, I'm going to keep on trying to live for the Lord. So here's where mercy comes in. So because you know you're a failure and yet God is merciful, then you should be merciful to others when the law is against them and for you. So people are like, well, you just need to be merciful. How dare you agree with the law of God? You should be merciful to other people. And I agree. But did you know you can only show mercy when it's your place to show mercy? If somebody steals something from Brother Aaron, I don't have the right to say, you know, I know they stole from him, but I think I'm going to give them mercy. Well, that's not my place to give them mercy. They didn't steal from me. They stole from him. So, if they have stolen from Him and they're not willing to make it right, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to say, what does the law say? Okay, And according to the Old Testament law, which of course our government doesn't go by that, that person should restore fourfold, shouldn't they? That would be right. That would be just. Now, Aaron, if they stole from him, he has the right as a Christian to say, I forgive them of their trespass. They don't owe me a thing. Y'all understand that? Now, does he have to do that? No, he doesn't have to do that. According to the law, they owe him. But he he has the right to do that. And if he does do that, you know what he's doing? He's being merciful. And he has that right. I don't. And unfortunately, today we have a twisted society that you know where we've got people that are killing others. We got people molesting others. I mean, committing all these horrible sins. 
that the Bible calls for the death penalty for. And yet, you, and you've got people that are sitting in a grave dead because somebody murdered them. And then you've got these Christian clowns out there saying, "We can't do anything to that murder. We should be murder. We should be merciful." But wait, it's not our place to be merciful. They didn't kill us. They killed them. So now we have to say, what saith the law? What does the law say? The Bible says, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. It's not our place to show mercy in that situation. We have no right. Now, if you as have been appointed, let's say you are the judge in this community where a murder has taken place. If you have been given the authority to execute judgment or show mercy, you have the right to do that. You can give them a life sentence or... I mean, I guess you could even let them off technically if you're the judge. That probably would be the right thing to do. But what about us as society? Do we have a right to call for the law to be thrown out? No, we have no right to do that. There's there, absolutely none. We need to go then and see what the Bible says. So, we can only show mercy when it's our place to show mercy. I can't demand. I can only request that others be merciful to me or be merciful on behalf of others. If somebody steals from Aaron and it's somebody that I care about, if I want, I can go to him and I can say, Brother Aaron, they, these, these people can't afford to pay you back. I can't even afford to pay this debt that they owe you for them. Will you please be merciful? I can request that of him. But do I have the right to say, you're a Christian, be merciful. Let him get off scot-free. Do I have the right to say that to him in that situation? No. That's, no, I have no right. that I, I, I can ask, but that's it. And when it comes to things that we have done whenever we violate God's laws, it's okay for us to ask for mercy. Everybody likes to bring up the woman that was taken in adultery. According to the law, her and the adulterer should have been put to death. But you know what Jesus did in that situation? First off, I think He did forgive her. Why? Because adultery is also a sin against God. And He can forgive. He was going to go pay for her sin on the cross. But you all understand, when Jesus forgave that woman, He was being merciful, meaning she deserved to be stoned. you all get that? She deserved it. But Jesus chose to be merciful. He didn't have to be merciful, but He was merciful. And everybody wants to look at that story and say, nope, doesn't matter anymore. Well, if it doesn't matter anymore, then Jesus wasn't being merciful. That's not a great story if she didn't deserve to die. Because Jesus just let her go. She didn't deserve anything. No, it's a great story because she did deserve it. Y'all y'all get that? See, that's the thing people don't realize. When you bring up mercy, that implies guilt right there. Don't you talk about God being a merciful God and then mock His law. His law is good, it's holy, and I, and I can never stand against the law. If our government has a biblical law, I should respect it and I should fear it. And you know, sometimes the lack of law in our country, it benefits us, doesn't it? We've all been there before where, you know, hey, I'm kind of glad they don't have that law. But if our nation has decided to start adopting more biblical laws, 
You know, if we're honest, that actually probably should scare all of us. But does that mean those laws are bad? You realize laws are supposed to scare us a little bit. You realize that $75 ticket, that's, that's to scare you to not speed. You all realize that? They're trying to scare us, folks. And guess what? It's working. And that's exactly what it's supposed to do. These things are supposed to scare us. So it makes no sense to say that God is a God of mercy and then turn around and say that the law is bad. It makes no sense. God is a God of mercy because the law is good and we deserve what it says that we deserve. But you know one thing that we can all testify here today? Because we all were dead in our trespasses and sins. We can say, thank God I didn't get what I deserved. And thank God I'm going to get a whole bunch of stuff that I don't deserve that's good. It's called grace. Our God is a merciful, gracious God and I'm thrilled to death about that. And if there's, if, if, you know, all of you that are in here today who have committed sins that according to the Old Testament called for the death penalty, you know what I say about those, that Old Testament law? I say it's good and you all do deserve to die. But you know what else I'll say? I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad that you got mercy instead. I'm thankful for that. And I, I praise God for that. But, I'm not going to worry about hurting your feelings and not preach what the law of God says. Next time I preach about a law that the Bible says that you have violated and I say these people ought to be put to death and you didn't get put to death, don't you get offended at me. Get thankful to God that He showed you mercy. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your goodness to us. Thank You for Your mercies. Great is Your faithfulness, dear God. What, what a wonderful God You are that You pardon sins, that You forgive, and that You give us grace and goodness to us. We thank You so much for that. I pray You'll help us to be merciful to others as You have been merciful to us. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and...